This is Expert Voices, a podcast from Lloyd's Register, where subject matter experts and leaders in marine and offshore share market insights, technical views, and talk about trends and developments in our industry. This time around, we are talking about how seafarer well-being has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Our discussion will be framed by the recent survey Lloyd's Register undertook with the UK Chamber of Shipping and the Mission to Seafarers that assessed the impact of COVID-19 on the maritime workforce. This online survey was targeted at employees across the global maritime industry and ran for three months between June and September. The results were then analysed and compared for seagoing personnel and onshore workers. And our focus in this discussion is on what the data shows for seagoing maritime employees and the learnings for their employers and the industry at large. This discussion is being led by me, Nicola Good, the Global Head of Brand and External Relations for Marine and Offshore at Lloyd's Register. And our panel of experts includes Andrew Wright, the Secretary General of the Mission to Seafarers, Mike Bradshaw, the Global Head of HSEQ at WeShips, Joanne Stokes, the Human Factors Manager at Lloyd's Register, and her colleague, Volkan Oslan, a senior consultant in the Marine and Offshore Human Factors team. Joanne and Volkan built the survey with input from the project partners and were responsible for analysing the responses and crunching the numbers. The overall survey results indicate serious concerns over seafarer mental health, the effectiveness of organisation support and communications, and the disease management and treatment of seafarers. They also point to clear differences between the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on seafarers in comparison with shoreside workers. Among the most alarming results is that only 13% of ship staff strongly agree that they are performing an essential role during the pandemic, and just 8% strongly agree that they feel valued in their role. Furthermore, 75% of seafarers stated that the pandemic meant they were not receiving regular visits from shoreside personnel. 62% felt their health and safety was not balanced appropriately with operational demands, and 54% felt that they were not being actively helped to manage stress and fatigue during the pandemic. There is no doubt that 2020 has been a challenging year for our industry, and a difficult one for those people who work at sea. Our panellists have seen the full results of the survey. Starting with you, Joanne, as the person who led the survey, what was the most standout learning for you? Thank you, Nicola. This is such an important survey for the industry. The results are concerning for the health and well-being of both seafarers and office workers. For me, though, I think that it's clear that many of our seafarers feel abandoned. They feel isolated and stranded. Many of the comments indicate they feel failed on many levels by different countries and flags, often by their own companies and even by the public. There are reports of not sleeping, not feeling well rested, worrying about things they cannot control. All of these things show me that as an industry, we're still not doing enough to support the mental health and well-being of our seafarers, especially during this pandemic when we are expecting so much more from them. Vulcan, you closely analysed the results. What came as the biggest surprise to you? Uh, For me, the biggest surprise was eight months after the world went into lockdown in March, our industry still struggles to prioritize mental well-being of seafarers and facilitate timely crew changes. Unfortunately, I have come across too many cases in our survey where seafarers were treated poorly 
during their journeys home, to their vessels, during periods of isolation, and on board their ships. They work extremely hard to ensure we all, we all have the essential supplies for maintaining our lives amid pandemic. However, they feel forgotten and abandoned due to the lack of an international collaboration between the stakeholders and the governments. Going to you first, Mike, and then to you, Andrew. What do you view as the most significant survey insights? It's frustrating to read that many seafarers feel unsupported and really frustrating that they feel undervalued. The feedback also indicates industry still has much work to do addressing COVID extended contracts. However, the influences on this are often out with the control of the operators and more aligned towards the conflicting approaches by coastal states. From a mental well-being perspective, a significant point to give focus is the reluctance of seafarers to use services provided by their companies due to the stigma around mental ill health. Uh, and Andrew, views from you? Yeah, thank you very much, Nicola. It's great to be with you. Um, and this, again, as others have said, this is a very, very important survey. And a lot of the findings in it are borne out by our own experience on the ground with seafarers. I'm just going to pick on one thing, which is the statement, I do not worry about things I cannot control, a statement with which 41% of, of seafarers in the survey disagreed. And I note that one wrote, I am in prison. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I have spoken to numbers of people in the industry who say, well, you know, these seafarers, they're, they're still they're in a relatively safe place in terms of COVID. They're being well paid. But I think it's difficult to um, underplay the impact of that feeling of losing control of your own destiny, which we have experienced has had such a powerful impact, simply not knowing whether your crew change is going to be successful whether you can go home or not, that is a, an enormously um, debilitating thing and very stressful for very many seafarers. So just pick out on that one thing, but there are so much in this survey. And what about you, Mike? How does the survey correlate with what you've seen and heard over the past few months at V-Ships? The headline survey results correlate with the issues we anticipated in our initial COVID planning and pandemic risk assessments. We set up our COVID crewing task force and the tremendous efforts of all the crewing teams must be recognised. Their commitment and energy has been devoted towards this problem for eight months now. To support our colleagues on board, we've provided all our vessels with private physician advisory services. We've supplied all vessels with COVID rapid test kits. We've provided an employee assistance programme to provide confidential counselling and support available for every seafarer. And to improve connectivity with loved ones at home, we opened up the internet access for all. COVID-19 has served to give a sharper focus to something that we've always understood at V-Group, the importance of caring for our mental health and well-being of our colleagues on board and ashore. It's well established that prolonged periods of separation from the social cornerstones of our social lives can have damaging mental health effects. Extending such periods of isolation incurs greater risk. The one part of the survey we would challenge, however, is that there are clear differences between the effects of COVID-19 pandemic on seafarers in comparison to shore workers. The impact on mental well-being is challenging ashore with many of us under full or partial lockdown conditions, leading to the same sense of isolation, loneliness, stress and heightened anxiety. Our shore colleagues must also be included in our well-being focus. Thanks, Mike. That's, that's a very valid point. Um, Andrew, the mission to seafarers has been playing a vital role during the pandemic. Are there any results from the survey that amplify what your chaplains may have witnessed? 
Yes, Nicola, we have tried, as you know, to sustain our services wherever possible throughout the pandemic. We've been visiting in a safe way at the gangways. Um, our family support networks have been doing continued work, and we've introduced a whole range of new digital services to help digitally support seafarers. And the first thing I want to say, echo something of what Mike said there, that you know we do want to salute um, so many in the industry um, who have really gone the extra mile in trying to support crews. And that is borne out, I think, in the survey results, that many crew do feel that they have been supported. Um, and you know things are mentioned specifically, like the efforts that have gone into ship diversions to facilitate crew change. So lots of good things have happened, and that has been recognised. But the survey does also bear out the broad picture of at least a very significant minority who are expressing real and sometimes acute concern. Uh, one of my, our chaplains commented uh, after his experience that we see a mental health epidemic paralleling the COVID pandemic, and that would be echoed by many of our chaplains across the world. I note that 48% are reporting sleep difficulties. 38% don't know who to turn to if there's a problem. And the key words that have come out will not surprise mental health, stress, home, anxiety, family, crew change. Um, and all this is very much echoed in, in our own experience and the stories that are coming back to us from all over the world. And uh, so absolutely, um, this survey does highlight what our experiences in these last eight or 10 months have borne out. Staying with you, Andrew, you mentioned the crew change crisis, and that's something we're seeing being covered more and more in the mainstream press. Awareness is getting out there. What changes do you think should happen? Yes, well, I think... Um, I think we'd all agree that the really, really big learning from all this is how the shipping industry relates and work with governments where the main blockage to crew change has been. And there's a whole series of issues around that that need to be clearly sorted out in terms of the immediate future and the longer term future if something like this happens again. I just had one story uh, from one seafarer that wrote to us in a desperate state saying, there is, and he, I quote, there is no tomorrow. And without a tomorrow, there is no hope. And I think that a lot of seafarers have been left feeling like that. But aside from the big issue, I think one of the things that came out from the survey in relation to crew change was the issue of communications. And if 30 to 40 percent of seafarers um, feel that the, uh, the company communications with them have been far from perfect, you know, feeling that they're in the loop, feeling fully informed about what is being done and what's hoping to be achieved and so on. So I think there's some learnings there around communications. And one of the things we've experienced also is feedback from families, some of whom have found it very difficult to contact their spouses on board ship and who feel very strongly that company communications with them, keeping in them in the loop, um, have been severely neglected. So I think there's some, obviously there's the big question of how the shipping industry sorts things with governments to facilitate effective crew change. And I just pick on this, this, this secondary issue, which is also very important, the one of communications. And over to you, Mike. At the peak of the lockdown restrictions by the coastal states and due to the subsequent flight cancellations, we reached a peak of 35% of colleagues overdue relief against their original contracts. As a short-term mitigation, these colleagues were covered by flag-approved contract extensions, and today we're at 10% and expected to be back under 5% by year-end. The challenge we now face is countries adopting very diverse requirements for inbound seafarers needing to quarantine for several days on arrival or COVID tests from specific laboratories in their home country, which may differ from an operator's existing test providers. This adds complexity and delays to the crew change process. So there's a real need to get more support in place. 
Welcome. Can I turn to you? These delays place a big strain on mental health, don't they? Seafarer's mental health is not a new phenomenon. However, the situation has been exacerbated due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The uncertainty that came with the virus took its toll on seafarers more than shore workers, the survey findings suggest. The survey results also indicate that seafarers' primary concern is their own and their family's health and well-being as expected. The fear of not able to see a family member in case of a COVID-related emergency made the majority of the seafarers extremely anxious. Job security was also listed as a major cause for anxiety, as they stated some of the seafarers who contracted the virus lost their jobs. The data showed that many seafarers and land-based workers are more tired than usual, take less physical exercise, and are working at a time when they are experiencing higher-than-usual anxiety and stress levels. All of these are ingredients that can lead to reduced vigilance, narrowing of attentional capability, poorer decision-making, and possibly a reduced capability to assess own performance. The current working environment on board therefore presents a recipe for higher potentials of human error, leading to increases in near misses, incidents, and accidents. Serious consequences. Joanne, how can we tackle this? What needs to change? In my view, the message from seafarers is loud and clear. There are five key messages, some of which we've covered already. Firstly, we need to urgently address crew changes. We need to move quicker to change out the still uh, 400,000 seafarers still stranded at sea. When doing this, we need to ensure that their care is maintained both logistically and mentally end to end, i.e. from disembarkation of the vessel to home and everywhere in between. We need to help seafarers know and feel that they are essential workers and they are appreciated as such. Secondly, and in relation to general mental and physical well-being, we need to promote mental health issues. We need to remove the stigma and we need to provide them with the tools to recognise and manage difficulties in both themselves and others. Thirdly, day to day, we also need to support them with social downtime, for example, better internet connectivity to talk to loved ones. We should also encourage social interaction on board, noting that with quarantine and testing measures prior to embarkation means that personnel on the vessel could be classed as one bubble or single family, meaning that social distancing doesn't have to be observed on board. Fourth, for companies, I think it's important to recognise that it's critical to retain timely and informative communications regarding the pandemic. Seafarers have said quite clearly in the survey that they want to understand the logic behind the key decisions that are made. Finally, fifth, it is crucial that the industry at all levels understand that seafarers are under enormous pressure, many still being required to perform at pre-pandemic levels. Fatigue, stress and anxiety can all lead to lower vigilance levels and a higher propensity for human error. Therefore, there needs to be more considered balance between the workload of the tired seafarer, the potentially reduced capacity to perform effectively and the operational requirements of the vessel. Andrew, is there anything you want to add? I think this whole question of promoting resilience on board, and again, we do salute many who've put uh, companies and who've put new uh, programs on board and providing access to counselling and so on. And of course, we've, we've been playing our own part through our chaplaincy teams around the world. But this business about supporting seafarers to look after themselves while they're on board, and also very importantly, to be able to look after each other. I mean, we have heard reports, obviously, tragic reports of suicides on board um, during this period. Um, or, and we certainly know of people who are having, for example, suicidal thoughts. How do you recognise the signs 
uh, when someone else in your crew um, is in real difficulty um, and how do you respond to that? So I think this whole area of training with seafarers in advance so that when they're um, in a periods of crisis or difficulty, they do understand better how to look after themselves and how to flag up the needs that they may see in others and respond to them. So I think that's one of the, the really big challenges going forward. And one other point I, I make is clearly in many ports around the world, we've had difficulty getting our own teams access to crew as some countries have, as welfare workers, as key workers, uh, can play a, a major part in facilitating that. Um, Mike, is there anything you want to add? Sure. Taking on the mental wellbeing challenge, we established a mental wellbeing committee and top-level policy, a commitment from our CEO under our value of care to support our colleagues across the group. This survey tells us that anxiety levels have increased, motivation to exercise diminished, we know that stress and anxiety leads to poor quality of sleep and fatigue, and this is further compounded by the long-term underlying fatigue created by prolonged time on board. On top of the efforts we've made to affect crew changes, we've provided seafarers with our vCare suite of tools to manage mental well-being and build resilience, a point that Andrew mentioned a moment ago. These can be simple things such as improving fitness, losing weight, or giving up smoking, and these challenges give a sense of purpose, enhance social integration, build team morale and even enable ships' crews to challenge crews from other vessels. Reflecting on the communications that was raised a moment ago, we've completed over a 1,000 senior leader virtual engagements with our teams on board, engagements made by MD level or higher, providing that vital opportunity for our seafarers to understand the challenges faced and an opportunity for our senior leaders to appreciate the additional support required on board. The feedback from these engagements has been extremely positive and we're appreciative of the patience and perseverance of our colleagues throughout this whole pandemic. Back to you, Joanne. The survey points to varying levels of support. How did you interpret that? Well, firstly, I have to highlight that many companies are doing a good job of supporting seafarers at this time. And you can see that V-Ships have done a great many initiatives that other companies could certainly learn from. Um, the survey results highlight a number of key issues, though some of which we've already talked about in relation to supporting mental health and communicating the logic behind decisions that are made. But it also highlights that many seafarers are concerned over the way they're treated after a positive diagnosis. One concerning comment, for example, indicated that crew of a particular nationality had been fired after testing positive. Another reported that their own company left them isolated in quarantine in a hotel room without any access to Wi-Fi, TV or even a phone for three weeks and reported that they hadn't been checked on during that time. I think companies have a duty of care to their employees, whether they're on the vessel or not. In addition, companies need to recognise the additional stresses and strains the effect of the pandemic has created. Operationally, seafarers recognise the need to continue to perform their duties and they are committed to doing so but many companies still need to recognise that a tired crew cannot perform as well as a refreshed crew. And as such, changes to operational schedules and increased rest hours are likely to be needed during these times. Andrew, from your experience at the Mission to Seafarers, can you give us any examples of companies getting it right, or wrong even? Yes, again, as I've said earlier, and echo what's been said just now, there have been much, much good work in many, many companies in, in relation to this. And we do salute that. And it has made a huge difference. Um, I think what we're seeing often is that the bigger fleets, the bigger management companies are often the ones that have the, the resource and have put the energy into this. Um, I think our experience is that, you know, if it's 
um, single ship companies or smaller smaller fleets, um, that's perhaps where it, people are finding it more difficult to access that kind of support. And clearly, one of the things we do need to see is a is an, an industry wide rollout of the of these of these learnings and these things that you know that have been put in place so effectively. Um, I do um, think there's one or two things to comment on. Um, one, certainly, we have seen in one or two in some areas of the world, particularly acute welfare needs emerging, and which does again um, is some evidence of the fact that this is not it is not uh, hasn't touched the whole industry. These measures being taken, and the industry and the survey reflects that as well. Um, quarantines being mentioned, I certainly find myself really concerned about. You know, the quarantine issue, clearly it's great that quarantine is being made possible and is facilitating crew change, but uh, crew being, being in their own, in rooms um, for two weeks, sometimes three weeks if the, if the ship's not there on time, you know, this can in itself lead to quite serious isolation with consequent issues. So I, I do think some thought needs to be given to that over the coming months. And I also picked up in the survey, you know, the very large amount of social distancing that's required on ships. And I do wonder if some more work's possible in that area that where crew are actually in a bubble you know shouldn't social distancing measures um, really be looked at very closely to enable crew to relate relatively normally to one another um, in in their in what is essentially their home environment so perhaps some some thought and care needs to be given to that thinking back to that standout stat just 13 percent of ship staff thinking that they're carrying out an essential role during the pandemic and just 8% thinking they're strongly valued. That's got to have a big impact, hasn't it? I agree with all the comments made by both Mike and Andrew. Um, I think it's about senior leaders, be it at country level or company level, demonstrating consistently that seafarers are valued and treated fairly, uh, that seafarers can trust in their country and their company to make the decisions that place their safety and well-being at the top of their priority list to change out stranded crew as soon as possible and to ensure that they return home safely to their families. We should all be clear that seafarers enable the movement of vital products around the globe and they are the unsung heroes of global trade today. Both fatigue and stress can lead to poor decision making which has a serious safety impact. Thankfully we've not seen this translate into accidents and incidents in our fleet and due to the great safety vigilance of our team on board we have seen our safety reporting levels maintained but constant engagement with the team on board is vital. There must be visible and felt leadership to ensure safety standards are maintained. Um, Andrew, any views from you? Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. It's a, it's a major concern of ours, the impact on safety. I mean, clearly where you do get um, people where you do get low morale and where, you know, I think it's 48% of people of, of crew think that their colleagues are not sufficiently well rested, which correlates with the issues around sleeping difficulty and so on. Clearly, in that environment, when people feel exhausted, when they've worked beyond the ends of their contract, when they're worried about their families, this is, as I said earlier, a very uh, disabling thing. And clearly, there are potential safety impacts, which are a great concern. And I think the industry has recognized that. And absolutely, so many have worked so hard to try and resolve the crew change crisis, facilitate more shore leave and so on. Um, but we clearly have a long way to go. And in the meantime, there are undoubtedly some very real risks. So it sounds like access to professional support would be key. Vulcan, what did the survey show in this regard? Yes, not not much. So the survey revealed that half of the respondents stated that there isn't any professional support available to them through their job. 
such as a counselor or a welfare officer. And only 30% of the seafarers and 17% of the shore staff used the professional support services that were provided. Unfortunately, the main reason for not using such services was expressed as the stigma around mental health in the maritime industry. Some of the seafarers were even worried that using these services could have negative impacts on their employment or performance appraisals. Therefore, I agree with Joanne and Mike on the urgent need to challenge the stigma of mental health concerns in our industry. Additionally, the majority of the respondents believe talking to their loved ones regularly can be of great help. In this regard, the internet should be available for everyone, similar to the approach taken by V-Ships. Um, Andrew, um, how does this uh, match with what the, um, the Mission to Seafarers has observed? Yeah, again, I am very encouraged by uh, the figures reported in terms of the, the availability of support for seafarers, you know, encouragingly high, actually. But also, I share those concerns about the, the people don't access it because of stigma. Again, I repeat the point earlier, um, shoreside um, maritime welfare workers, such as our own teams, can play a vital role in this. And if they're able to have some access to seafarers, as we've been trying wherever, we, wherever that's been possible, that can be a way of accessing support in quite a natural way without anyone thinking there's anything odd about it because it's a very regular part of what happens in ports, that sort of, uh, that sort of mental health friendship support, as it were, in a very natural way. I also point out that, that one of the issues is around the ability to access um, proper internet uh, connectivity. And clearly, while there is very strong reporting in the survey around access to the internet, there are clearly, again, significant minorities who are struggling to communicate um, digitally, including with their families. That's been um, reported to us from right around the world. Um, we have been trying to respond to that by trying to get MIFI units on board ship when they're in ports. Uh, but universal provision of strong and uh, affordable Wi-Fi access for seafarers will both help with that vital area of family and friendship connectivity, but also with that ability to connect with some of the digital support services that are on offer, including our own chat to a chaplain. So maybe it's worth highlighting those two things. Thanks, Andrew. I think all of us have been quite grateful for Wi-Fi connectivity this year. The word stigma has come up throughout this, our conversation today. Um, Mike, just as we come to close our discussion, um, people can sometimes be fearful on owning up to having mental health challenges, but there are times when we all need help. How do we as an industry reduce the stigma around mental health and make sure that people tap into the support networks that are available? Yeah, this is an area where we've been putting a lot of energy in our messaging. We all have a state of mental health, every one of us. Like our physical health, you can feel good or not so good, and it can vary over time. If we increase trust and communication among our teams, this in turn encourages better conversations, but we know this isn't easy. On top of the barrier of stigma, culturally, it may not be acceptable to talk about mental health. It may be seen as a sign of weakness. We may worry what people think about us on board. We may automatically associate mental health with mental illness. And we may not have the language or words to describe how we're feeling or where to start. To break down stigma, we need to feel more comfortable talking about it. The more we talk, the easier it becomes. That's why we launched our Let's Talk program and our podcast to our fleet earlier this year. To ensure we're getting equal supporting tools for our shore colleagues, we're in the process of setting up a global network of mental wellbeing champions. And these colleagues will be trained by the clinical psychologists at ISWAN. 
the key message is it's okay to say you're not okay. It's okay to ask for help. Don't isolate yourself and use the support structures available and look after yourself. Thank you, Mike. Those messages have certainly resonated with me. Um, it's been an interesting discussion. Um, I mean, no workplace should ever feel like a prison. And we certainly don't want COVID-19 to result in a, a mental health pandemic. I mean, I think exercises like the one we undertook with the survey to take the temperature of the industry and to understand some of the key issues has been an important one. I think it's one we probably need to repeat. There's a lot of good work happening, thankfully, but there are still a lot of challenges. Those are my parting thoughts. Thank you all for joining our discussion today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Expert Voices. We hope you have found the conversation insightful. If there are topics that you'd like us to discuss, please email the team at expert.voice@lr.org, and you can find previous episodes at info.lr.org slash expert hyphen voice.